TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. This is the Score North AL Central Champs Twin Show. Signed Josh Donaldson, traded for Kenta Maeda. You know the bit by now. This is the Hot Stove Edition, or it was the Hot Stove Edition, I should say. Derek Wetmore, Phil Mackey with you. Phil, do we have to rename this show now that the Hot Stove is basically turned off for the year? Well, are we, are we sure that the Hot Stove is turned off? Are, oh, we, sure, are we sure there's not... Listen, all right, I'm going to... Screw it. Let's start the show here, okay? <laughs> okay, we Let's have to. start the show here, all right? You'd think the hot stove would be turned off by now because pitchers and catchers have reported and the Twins have made a ton of moves and Josh Donaldson was their big signing and Kenta Maeda. However, hold on, I let me let me cue that music up differently. How, how however, there we go. Eddie Rosario is still wearing number 20. That's the number that Josh Donaldson wanted to wear and that Josh Donaldson has been trying to get from Eddie Rosario the entire offseason. To me, it seems uh, awfully mysterious that Josh Donaldson would just give up number 20 without much of a fight. Does he know something we don't know? Is Eddie Rosario on the trade block? Could they still trade Eddie Rosario in spring training, Derek Webmore? Yeah, I mean, they could. I, I mean, I don't see it as a real likely outcome, but it's it's always possible. I'm the theory. non-zero guy. And, hey, if you're running reckless speculation through this show, maybe maybe that's what we change this one to. I, my point is we're looking for a new brand name because the Hot Stove Show won't fit, I don't think, again until, what, November 1st? We should have rebranded the Hot Stove Show to just reckless speculation. We should, we should. <laughs> hey, tell you what, if there's any sponsors out there that are looking to buy the Mackie and Wetmore episode every week... You get to name it. Give us give us what it's going to be. If it's reckless speculation, Phil, I think you own that, so you'd have to sign off on the trademark paperwork. <laughs> but there there I'm sure there could be some negotiations had there. Yeah, I think I think for sure in the I don't know, 45, 30, 45 days leading up to the trade deadline then we can we can bring back a reckless speculation branded episode. I do have Astros rants galore to get to, but just wanted to wish you and the audience happy Kenta Maeda Day. He has reported, according to you, you're down there in Fort Myers, so you tell yes. me. Happy Kenta Maeda Day to you and to the listeners as well, Phil. Um, let's start with Kenta, and then we can get to Astro stuff. Um, I talked to a couple of pitching uh, experts looking for a scouting report on Kenta Maeda, and this is this was more than I knew when I started these uh, when I started this reporting. He has, a, according to one person. One of the best sliders in baseball, and from a right-hand pitcher, that allows him to dominate right-handed hitters, basically. He struggled against lefties a little bit. You'd call that a relative weakness, but uh, they say he's got a great command and feel of his fastball. He's 90 to 94, usually sits in the lower end of that, Um, can add and subtract as needed because he's a quote-unquote pitcher with a capital P, and... uh, yeah, the slider fastball is really it for him. He does have a, I, well, I guess I think it's more of an overhand curveball and then a split changeup, which he uses to help neutralize lefties when he can. Um, but I'm really curious to see this in games now, especially when we get into the regular season, is how that slider plays up in a in an organization that lusts for top quality pitches and tries to refine those and use those as weapons as much as they can. So what 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 is the... 
what's the Twins' expectation of Kenta Maeda? I mean, what he's a guy that has never pitched more than 150 innings in the major leagues, but he's also been very good in those 120 to 150 innings. He's been a reliever for the most part in the postseason, although I'm guessing the Twins probably would, would, would like to see him as a starting pitcher, and he's performing well at the end of the year. What Do you have any idea from the conversations you've had out there, Derek Wetmore, what their expectation is of Kenta Maeda? Yeah, I think they expect him to be a starter. I do, and you talk about the 150 innings. I'm not going to say he's been without injury in his career, but when he was originally posted and came over from Japan to the United States four years ago and Andrew Friedman's Dodgers signed up for him, it was originally reported as it was going to be a contract in the neighborhood of $100 million guaranteed. But the physical showed some irregularities, I guess, in his elbow. Or that's how it was reported anyways. I wasn't, I wasn't reporting the story, but that's just what I read. Yeah, it's bionic. That's why he throws such a great slider. <laughs> so, yeah. You've hey. seen the, you've seen, even you have had to have seen the Rookie of the Year movie from the early 90s, right? Yes, yes. Bionic right. Arm Kid? That is where the Wetmore pitching plan first came to me, nice. I think, is, is watching that. But, yeah, I mean, hey, market inefficiencies, bionic arms. Who says no? Um, the Astros are probably working on one already. But uh, I think that they expect him to be a starting pitcher. And I, I I, know that it's a risk. I know that, especially with that report on the elbow, you know, Bill Shakin of the L.A. Times was on our show last week. Uh, he's obviously covered Kenta Maeda and their World Series runs. And he said that it's always kind of been a, a backstory with Maeda, but it's never come up to bite them the way that, I guess he sort of perceived it. Uh, the he, he writes about baseball for the L.A. Times. And the way he sort of perceives it, Phil, is it's an expectation of eventual loss, if that makes sense. Like, hey, ticking time bomb, every elbow is, every arm is. Um, but it hasn't yet. It hasn't, it hasn't bit him in any meaningful way. So when you say 150 innings, I think we have to be a little bit careful there to give some context that if it was up to Maeda – he would have pitched more innings. But the way that his contract is structured, and if he gets X number of, I can't remember if it's starts or innings thresholds or whatever, he gets uh, you know incentive clauses that kick in in his contract. He's going to make more money. So the Dodgers, some people would argue, sort of artificially limiting his innings totals and his starts by moving him to the bullpen, shortening his outings late in the year. Um, and then, of course, in the postseason, he's just kind of been a super reliever for them. But I just, I'm not so sure that 150 innings represents his ability year to year. It's just what he's been asked to do yeah. for each of the past four seasons. So, long answer short, I think that the Twins see him as a starter. And I think that if he's still starting in October, I think that's a good sign for them. Derek, I think a lot of people are undervaluing having professional pitchers, not only in your rotation, but just among the 12 or 13 pitchers that you're going to roll out through you know, any any portion of the season. And once you get to the postseason, Twins fans who are on the fence about this Kenta Maeda trade, I will listen to you if if you want to go down the path of, hey, Bruce Dargraderall was going to be a bullpen ace this season, and for the next three to five years, and the Twins botched it, they got nervous, or they undervalued him, like, that that's a formidable argument. If you thought that Bruce Dargraderall was going to be the Twins version of Josh Hader, and by the way, if the Twins thought that, a smart pitching organization, the Twins, if the Twins thought that he was going to be their version of Josh Hader this season, they likely wouldn't have traded him. Yes. So I'm, I'm sort of trusting that they know and see things that we don't. But if your argument is, well, Kenta Maeda is not a number one starter, so what's the point? Like, he doesn't, he's not going to... 
He's not going to beat the Yankees, and which he might, just for the record. You have to look at it this way to me. When you go and play some of the best teams in baseball, regular season, postseason, how many times last year, especially in October, did the Twins run pitchers out that had little to no experience in situations like that? Guys that, as they were trotting out to the mound, you thought to yourself as a Twins fan, oh my God, there's zero chance that so-and-so gets Aaron Judge out or or induces a ground ball double play from, uh, you know, name your Yankee slugger. That's That's my beef, is that, the Twins ran out so many unqualified pitchers against the Yankees lineup last year. And Kenta Maeda is a qualified arm. He's a pro arm. And you should, yes, you should look to add somebody to the top end of your rotation. You should look between now and July 31st to bring in somebody that moves the ceiling higher. Maybe somebody that's better than Jose Barrios. But at the same time, you're going to be tapping into pitchers, whether it's for the, the, the third or fourth game of a series or whether it's for uh, the fourth inning through the seventh inning that you're going to need to lean on, and he can be either one of those to me. There is an interesting way to look at this, which I think makes your point for you and also argues against you at the same time, and this is the way I think about it. I could see an outcome in which, given how years go and how people are pitching at the end and how they've fared throughout the regular season, I could legitimately make an argument right now on February 13th as we record this episode of the Twins' soon-to-be-named show that there are five different people I could see starting Game 1 of an ALDS series. If the Twins make it that far, uh, which, by the way, just a quick side street, the Pocota projections have come out at Baseball Prospectus, and the Twins are tabbed to win uh, 93 games, thereabouts. Uh, They are the expected division winner in the AL Central, so... I know it's dangerous to just fast-forward through the season, and I'm not pretending like they've already won the division in 2020, but we're kind of all expecting it to head that way. So if they make the playoffs and they win the AL Central, Phil, I could make the case that five different starting pitchers could be in line to make that game one start. I think that's exciting for the Twins, but I think it's also a little daunting knowing that you don't have your version of Garrett Cole. Yeah. But, again, you you have between now and July 31st to go. I'm not saying that there's going to be a Garrett Cole for sure available, but but this rotation the Twins have put together now, in large part because Kenta Maeda is in it, is so much better than the rotation they ended last season with, and that's just an indisputable fact. And so for that, I know we put out our off-season grades as part of our guy Jake DePew's article on scorenorth.com, and I saw that, I believe, I gave him an A, I saw Judd gave him a B, and I was like, and I think you gave him maybe a, a B, B plus or something. Yeah. Um, so you're only a slight tick above Judd, but but I I looked at Judd the other day on Mackie and Judd with Robbie, and I was like, a B? What do you mean a B? Like what? Based on what? Based on it's the best off season they've had in the history of the franchise when you combine the fact that they spent more money on a player in free agency than they ever have before, a former MVP. They brought in Tyler Clippard, who's a rock solid seventh inning type reliever. Kenta Maeda makes the rotation better. Like, um, unless unless you expected them to bring in Madison Bumgarner and Zach Wheeler or Zach Wheeler and Josh Donaldson, which is unrealistic to me, 
I just like I, I I don't see how it's not an A off season. Just to put a bow on our hot stove episode. Yeah, I guess. yeah, but you you also grew up in the age of millennial grade inflation, so we should say that. <laughs> hey, real quick, I, I I think a couple of things. I haven't dug into the numbers on this, but uh, hot take number one: it's possible that uh, Kent Maeda has a better season this year than Madison Bumgarner. Um, the other the five guys that I could see as possible starting game one, by the way, Barrios. Odorizzi, Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, and Michael Pineda. Okay. I mean, we could sit here and fight about it all day. It could be an hour-long podcast, and that'd be all kinds of fun. We should totally do that someday, maybe for the opening day podcast. But I think all of those guys represent qualified options. None of them are Garrett Cole, which is where I'd push back on the grade thing. Like, whose offseason would you rather have, New York's or Minnesota's? Um, so would I rather have Josh Donaldson or Garrett Cole? I'd rather have Garrett Cole. That's okay, fair. That's, so a, that's, that's a fair point. Okay. You know what? That's that's, that's an A offseason to me. I think the Twins did really well for themselves, which is why I gave them a B plus. I also think it should be pointed out that they might not have added as many wins to their roster as the Chicago White Sox, but the White Sox were starting so far behind the starting line for the Twins. So yeah. not only did the Twins run very far, they also started ahead of the rest of their division. Um, so I, I think they're in a really, really great position. I'm not trying to argue against that. Um, I'm just acknowledging my own millennial-grade inflation tendencies. You know, I slapped a B-plus on it. You know, as a as a fringe millennial myself, I, I, I did find out that 1980 as a birth year was the beginning of the millennial age. I didn't know that until I heard that. I, I'm 1985, so I'm solidly in the uh, the back end of the millennial range. And speaking of millennial-grade inflation... I don't yeah. know, did your school in high school, did you do a four-point GPA or a 12-point yeah. GPA? Yeah, we did. So we were one of the rare schools that did, that did a 12-point GPA. Okay, we were 4.0. And so I, I had a 10.5 out of 12 for a GPA, okay? So whatever the, what's that, like 3.6 or something? Like a, that's a pretty darn good high school GPA, right? Like you're you're well into the, the deep, if, if you convert it to a four-point GPA, you're well into the three-and-a-half range, Okay. Of the 425 students in my graduating class, where would you guess my very good GPA ranked? Uh, how many students again? 425. And I had a 10.5 out of 12. So like a 3.5, 3.6 out of 4. <laughs> um, only because you set it up this way, I'd say you're like 100. I was like 50th. Okay, okay. Like, everyone's just getting – so <laughs> yeah. millennial grade inflation is definitely a thing. It's, it's a very a real thing. Um, <laughs> hey, one quick thing, too, I wanted to point out. Give shouts to Mitch Garver on this show because I don't think we do that enough, by the way, on the Twins show. Longtime listeners will no doubt agree that we have not given him the due praise that he's deserved. But I think it's really cool that he gave up number 18 for his new teammate who he, hadn't, he didn't even know. Kenta Maeda won at 18, and I found out today just from talking to some people down here that – 18 is a very significant number for Japanese pitchers, I guess. I did not know this until this today, but pitchers in Japan who are the ace of the staff are awarded the number 18. So it's a very significant and very meaningful. Um, I'm blanking on the list off the top of my head, of course. I think you, Darvish, was one of the guys who didn't wear 18. But uh, Dice K, um, and people are going to have the benefit of looking this up, and I'm not, so I'm flying a little dangerous here, but they're... There are a, a number of Japanese pitchers who posted, came to the United States, were, you know, star pitchers, and certainly for their their team when they posted, they were the ace, they were a star pitcher. Uh, and you'll find that a disproportionate number of them wear number 18. So, shouts to Mitch Garver for just 
stepping off that number instead of making a big deal out of it and saying, hey, man, he tweeted yesterday something to the effect of, look, if if he wants the number and that's what it'll take to make him feel comfortable and perform at his best, then I'm all in. Let's go, Twins. I, I really appreciate the sentiment from Mitch Garver, and I thought that was a big move for both of them. Would you give up your number if you're Eddie Rosario or Mitch, Gar- uh, or Mitch Garver? Are you like a are you like a cling to numbers guy? If you're, I, if you're yeah, a I love numbers. Like I'm superstitious for sure. Um, but I was you'll be shocked to hear this, Phil. I was never the best player on the team, so I didn't always get a choice. And also in the city league that I played in, they just went by sizes. Like the higher the number, the bigger the jersey. Yeah. So that really limited the numbers that I could comfortably wear. Um, yeah, I I if you're asking me, I would put myself more in the camp of a Mitch Garver. Uh, especially if I know I've got somebody coming in who I think could help us win a World Series. Yeah, I don't get the number thing. I mean, I, I definitely I definitely had numbers that I enjoyed wearing as a kid playing sports, but, I mean, it's it's a it's a piece of cloth on your body. Like, <laughs> just, if, and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Mitch Garver's tweet was, hey, I mean, if I love wearing number 18, but if this if – this, if it, I'm paraphrasing here, but if this, sure, if sure. this dude's happier in the morning because he's got a number 18 jersey hanging in his locker and he can do his job better than – Cool. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Sounds good. And there's an entire country rooting for uh, for Kenta, and that's I mean that's a really cool part of this. I do I think the Rosario Donaldson one. I haven't spoken to either of those gentlemen here. Haven't seen either of those gentlemen yet because we're still just at the pitchers and catchers part technically of spring training. Um, I think that's a real thing. I think it's a real thing. Some people are going to roll their eyes and say, "Are you still talking about the numbers, dude? Just get off of it." Um, I think that it's going to be a real decision point. For those two guys, I don't mean for the Twins. Although, as you alluded to at the beginning, maybe for the Twins too. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah. Um, can we? Can I rant about the Astros, dude? I would love it. So, just real quick, because you've done spring training before, you're kind of in a bubble down here. You, yes, you hear other baseball things and you see Twitter while you're writing your stories or or prepping for your shows, but you get in this Twins bubble and you're you're, you know, you're talking about relievers that might not play in the big leagues this year. You're just thinking everything Twins, 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 Twins. You're in this. Yeah, the best way I can describe it is like a bubble where your whole world is twins. So it's surreal for me and a little disorienting watching this Astro stuff fly by on my timeline this morning and being like, that seems like kind of a pretty big joke. And it looked like they were getting hammered for it today. I got up this morning. I put in some good early morning work. Went for, this is going to be a, a sick I work out sometimes brag. <laughs> did, did a little cardio. Almost hey. passed out after 20 or 25 minutes. It was great. And I, I did all this, all these things to clear out my morning, so that and took a shower. I bathed. That's right. Wow. And, and Sick I was, brag. I was, I was ready to settle in for what I thought was going to be a lengthy eight thirty Central Time media session, where the Astros, a couple of players, Jim Crane, the owner, Dusty Baker. I thought, man, this, this is going to be epic, right? The player statements, Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman which they were reading emotionlessly off of a piece of paper, combined were like 90 seconds. 90 seconds Yikes. combined. And then Jim, Jim Crane, the owner, gets up there and just like couldn't get his story straight. Three months, three months for the Astros and their PR department and ownership to come up with some sort of cohesive public statement. Ideally for me, one that involves some level of remorse, but mostly transparency and beyond transparency, maybe some accountability. And instead, sorry, hold on. The my uh, the, the the mouse came off of the uh, the table there, and I caught it because I'm a pro here. Um, Sick, I catch mice, Brad, bro. <laughs> I know. But Jim Crane, when asked 
did the sign-stealing scandal give you an advantage in games, said no. He oh said no, gosh. it did not. And then 55 seconds later, when asked by Jeff Passan from ESPN to follow up, wait, did, did you just say that that had, it had no impact on the outcome of games? And he said, well, no, I, I, didn't, say, I didn't say that. It's like, no, like 55 seconds ago, you literally said that. Here's a piece of Jim Crane's quote-unquote apology. So how is it that it doesn't affect competition? So then what are you guys apologizing for? Um, we're p- apologizing because we broke the rules. But isn't sign stealing a distinct advantage for the hitter, so doesn't it automatically impact competition? It, it, it could possibly do that. It could possibly not. Okay, so on the surface, you hear that and you're like, well, what do you mean? Wait a second. We're, are, are you trying to tell us that the lengths that you went to with trash can banging and putting secret TV monitors in the dugout and this elaborate scheme that you put together, possibly for multiple years, that it may or may not have had an impact or have helped your players have an advantage in certain at-bats? Like, that's ludicrous on its face. The only explanation for Jim Crane saying that the cheating didn't alter the outcome of games is if he knows the Dodgers and the Yankees were doing it too. That's the only explanation. Oh, interesting. There's no way that you can get up there after three months of preparation knowing full well that you mashed at home in the 2017 playoffs and knowing full well that professional hitters, knowing what pitch is coming, are going to be able to jump on it. You're either, you either think we're all idiots, which is possible. Like, that's definitely on the table. Arrogance and, yes. and that, lev- like, that level of arrogance is certainly on the table here. Or you know that you weren't the only team doing this, and you have on good authority behind the scenes that your opponent in the World Series, the Dodgers, were doing it too, to, you know, to whatever extent, and that the Yankees were too, and you're actually saving their bacon by not calling them out in front of a live national audience. <laughs> or and wouldn't just, that be interesting? Yes, it would. And just to uh, add some speculative fuel to this reckless speculation fire, the only other outcome is what you're describing here is, well, yeah, the trash can banging is what we've been caught for, but relative to the other cheating that we were doing, that doesn't even right. scratch the surface of right. affecting the outcome. Right. I mean, like, I, I've told you this. I, can't, I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the Score North Twin Show, but I have a friend, acquaintance slash friend. I don't want to give away too much here, but... No, it's some, all good. Works in baseball. Someone who works in baseball who would... Not for the Astros, by the way. Somebody who worked who who, who works in baseball and uh, the Astros were uh, were on their schedule a number of times in 2017, and he said not only the Astros but multiple teams had some sort of scheme, and multiple teams had some sort of technology or software decoding devices or decoding software where you would essentially enter in the sequence of catcher signs, and within five or six pitches, bang. They would have your signs. Yikes. So it's, it's very, and, and again, like I'm not the only one breaking news here. It's very likely that the Astros are taking the fall for a number of different teams, and it remains to be seen if other teams are going to be called out on the carpet. But when I heard that from Jim Crane, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second, you either like you either literally spent the last three months thinking that everybody who's going to be listening to this press conference is an idiot, and I can just say whatever I want to say, or you know that the Dodgers and the Yankees were doing it as well, and your way of saying that when somebody asks you, did you? Because the question is basically, 
Did you not have a distinct advantage in those at-bats against the Dodgers? And if you thought that the Dodgers were doing it too, you would say, not really. I mean, it was an even playing field, right? So that's, I don't know how much more of this Pandora's box we're going to get pried open, but the Astros' arrogance and, to me, flat-out recklessness in this press conference today makes me want whoever faces them in the first game of the regular season, whoever starts the Angels or their opponent, Whoever starts that game for the Angels, I want that guy to plunk all nine hitters in that Astros lineup, give up six runs, give up six <laughs> runs before even trying to record an out, and just walk off the mound with double birds in the air. Like I, I am love so it. dumb with the Astros. I would love it that for that scene to play out, the home plate umpire would have to act oblivious and be like, no, I don't know, it's bad control. <laughs> yeah, after like, after, like, after like four of them, you're, aren't you obligated to eject everybody? <laughs> I guess so, but I think the baseball world would be looking on with schadenfreude. <laughs> so, I mean, I just like, the other thing, real, one, one last thing here, and, and I'll, I'll save the rest of this for the Mackie and Jeb with Rami show. Weekdays, 4 to 6 o'clock on Score North and the Score North app, also available on demand, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North app. Um, I hate it when people who cheat or people who get caught doing something against the rules or against the law, I hate when those people think they can just ask for all of us to move forward. You don't get to just move forward without answering yes. a million questions about what happened and how it happened. At 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 the very least, I think you're required to, to, to take questions, and to me, I think you're obligated to answer those questions to whatever degree of transparency you can, and this thought that, and Alex Bregman did it, and Justin Verlander did it today, and Jim Crane was doing it today, that we just, listen, this this is in the past now, and we're going to move forward. Well, wait a second. I mean, the transgression is in the past, but the information is very much still beneath the surface, at least publicly. And Rob Manfred, has anyone heard from Rob Manfred at all in the last few weeks on this? There's so, there are so many questions to be answered still, and I hope the Astros continue to have to face the fire on this. That's all good and well, Phil, but look, I've got a playoff scenario for you where we could wow. tweak it and you could pick your opponents. What do you think, guys? Should we talk about this? Amazing, amazing. And just one quick note on that, too. So... I'm all for baseball trying to figure out new ways to make the game interesting and to appeal to young fans. I think if if your first question is, how can we make the game interesting and appeal to young fans, you're asking the right question. But if your solution is to take away the two most exciting games of the baseball calendar year, not counting potential Game 7s in the World Series and the ALNLCS, the two wildcard games are the only two games on the calendar that are up front, right now in February, must-watch baseball games. You have to watch those two games. You might not you might not pick a Sunday night game the entire season that you would say as a casual fan is a must-watch, but those two wild-card games are must-watch games. So, anyways, I'm, I'm fired up today, as you can I see. I love it. Yep, I, I, we can talk about that another time because I don't think that's going to go through. But <laughs> Rob, yeah, Manfred's, man, Rob Manfred is struggling is the theme of this last 15 Dude, minutes here. like, seriously, the, the Astros, this is my last point on this, the Astros are the New England Patriots, and Rob Manfred is becoming Roger Goodell. Yeah. I, I didn't think that at all when he took over. I was like, oh, awesome. This guy's a genius. He's a shark. This is going to be good for baseball. Taking over for Uncle Bud, and boy, oh, boy, it has been a rocky ride for Commissioner Rob Manfred. I don't know, man, I don't know if this is an overstatement at all, but to me, in this next year or two, 
his legacy as commissioner is absolutely on the line. It's how he moves forward from this, and yeah. it's the labor negotiations. To say nothing of the minor league baseball, you know, professional baseball agreement, that, that is it's weird, but that is almost like a tertiary story here compared to these other things at on the front burner. But, I mean, having said this all out loud, I don't think it's an overstatement at all. Rob Manfred's legacy is on the line over the next two years. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think there's a lot on the line for baseball over the next two or three years, too, if they don't make the right turns and decisions and, and you know, choose the right path at certain forks in the road. So uh, just looping back to Twins here before we wrap on this thing, Derek Wetmore, what what else can people find on scorenorth.com, and do you have any other little nuggets before we uh, shut the mics off for this episode? Yeah, I'm writing my Kent Maeda scouting report column right now. That should be published, uh, unless you're one of the first person to first people to listen to the show. You could probably go find that at scorenorth.com and the scorenorth app. Um, I've got some other stuff, camp observations. My day one, I did a Today I Learned, and that's just got a bunch of little nuggets in there that I picked up from Twins Camp. So you can check out those two pieces right now, like I said, scorenorth.com, or if you got the app, it's in there on the Twins page. Right on. Cool. Phil, this has been a lot of fun. I am looking forward to next week when you and I talk on this show, and we have a new name for it. Yeah, have you, what are the candidates right now? Dude, I think we got to let the listeners decide. I really do. <laughs> a fill-in-the-blank contest. <laughs> Dude, he's at Phil Mackey on Twitter. I'm at Derek Whatmore. Send us your creative ideas to rename this weekly part of the Score North Twin Show. I'll be back. Phil, I'm joining you guys on Mackey and Joe with Rami later today. And we'll have plenty more shows down here during 10 days of Twin Spring training. Uh, from me, Derek Wetmore, and some guests that have been kind enough to join me. i got a big-name guest booked for tomorrow morning Ooh. already. Uh, I'm a little nervous. I learned that I'm interviewing this person right after he gets done with an interview with the great Peter Gammons. So wow. how about that for an opening act? You're that nervous to interview Lavelli Neal III, huh? <laughs> Well played. Well bite. played. Uh, he's Phil Mackey. I'm Derek Wetmore. Thank you so much for your support of this twin show. It makes spring training trips like this possible for us. We greatly appreciate your ears and your attention over the summer, and we're looking forward to a fantastic 2020. Phil, happy Kenta Maeda Day to you, and I'll talk to you later, my friend. Planning to buy a new boat this year? Glenn Perkins here from my friends at Nelson Marine. The Nelson Marine difference is about customer service and a knowledgeable team of sales and service pros. Two large showrooms filled with an impressive inventory of the best brands in the business. London Crestliner Fishing Boats, South Bay Pontoons, powered by Yamaha, Suzuki, Mercury, and Evinrude. Nelson Marine has been creating happy customers for 75 years. Visit their showroom on Highway 61 in White Bear Lake online at nelsonmarine.biz. Hey, Scornorth listeners, it's Phil Mackey here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which is here to give business owners that peace of mind that you need when you've built a company with your blood, your sweat, your tears, maybe not your blood, but whatever. Like, you built a company, and you want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover, if needed, recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Federated has a century of experience in helping business owners. You can find out more about the industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And remember, Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect you. 15% rate of banging. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Well, we've had, we have conversations with Jim Polat and our ownership group throughout the course of the offseason to talk about potential plan. 
I will tell you this, our ownership supported any baseball decision we thought would work best, and this was clearly one that we felt would have a significant impact on our club, and Jim Polat supported it right from the get-go. Swing and a drive, first pitch, it's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Matthew and Judd with Rami. Yes, and that's, that was Derek Falvey on MLB Network today talking about those cheap poll ads that greenlit a $100 million contract for Josh Donaldson. We sent Derek Wetmore down to Fort Myers. He has been part of our 10 days of Twins Talk here on Mackie and Judd with Rami. And you can find near-daily episodes of the Score North Twin Show on the Score North app, Apple, or Spotify. And Derek, today was Kenta Maeda Day. At Hammond Stadium, the Twins introduced Kenta Maeda to the media. What are some of the things you learned about the Twins? I was going to say uh, newest stud pitcher, but most people think he's just garbage and that <laughs> Gratterall is going to you know, haunt them like uh, David Ortiz did. But what did you learn about Kenta Maeda today? Yes, the next Dennis Eckersley, Brewster Gratterall. Uh, happy Kenta Maeda Day to all of you and all of your families. It was a big day in Fort Myers. Uh, he was introduced here. He spoke with the... Uh, us in the English-speaking media. He also did a separate session with the Japanese-speaking media, and he's a huge star in Japan. Uh, not I mean, quite to in, the sh- in fairness, Nishioka was a huge star in Japan, too, so I feel like they might need to raise their bar. Well, this- I don't know about that. I don't know if they're on the same comparison level because of the jump to Major League Baseball. Like there is, I, I spoke with a number of people who've covered um, Japanese baseball, and specifically even Kenta Maeda spoke with them today that... that uh, I mean, this guy's a big deal. He's he's on the world stage in Major League Baseball, pitching for the Dodgers in the World Series. It gets a real source of pride. So I guess I don't know. I wasn't around to cover Nishioka, but I'm not sure that I would compare the two. Um, listen, this is a big addition for the Twins. It's a starting pitcher that adds not only depth, but quality, like top end of the rotation depth. If this goes to plan for Derek Falvey and the Twins, I talked to Falvey about him yesterday and about the pitch mix and about what was it that you liked so much about him? Why'd you, why'd you circle back on a trade that fell apart to push it across the finish line? He raved about Kenta's athleticism and his slider. He says it's one of the best sliders in baseball. So today was Kenta Maeda Day, but I'm really fascinated, guys, to see his first start in a Twins uniform. That's when I think we'll really get a taste for what this guy brings. Did he throw it all, or did he just show up, talk to the media, meet some fans, and you know, warm up a little bit? I don't think there were any uh, fans to greet. He did play catch a oh, little bit. I thought bit. I saw a picture of him signing autographs. No, yeah, you, okay. sorry, I, right. I misspoke. It's it that wasn't was, like... that was Lavelle. Just... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have confused those two in the past, and will again in the future. Um, he he got loose basically, Rami. It wasn't a big workout day for him. I talked to Rocco Baldelli afterwards, and sort of the group session and listen it's it's camp rocco man he was he wants to get people in he wants to get them comfortable <laughs> if he wants to if he wants to stretch and get loose and throw and work up a little sweat then great more power to him but rocco said let's get him comfortable first get him familiar with his surroundings meet his teammates and he'll get going tomorrow i think he's scheduled guys i heard from a couple of people even though it's not officially posted yet i think maeda is going to throw his first twins bullpen tomorrow breaking news right there Wetmore. is that what that was Big yeah, I don't have a news. sounder over here, but yeah, I mean that's that uh, really stop good. the presses. I, th- I think you sufficed stuff. right there. <laughs> Thanks, condescending Judd. What was the 
Uh, I'm not done yet. What was <laughs> the reaction uh, to to the events of the day that I, that took place? I believe in West Palm Beach. What was the Twins' sort of overall reaction to an Astros press conference that was supposed to be an apology and came off more like a disaster? Yeah, Judd, I was talking with Phil about this earlier. We posted a uh, Twins show on the feed earlier today. So, cheap plug, Twins fans, if you want to go listen to that, it's a great, great episode, and Phil was there too. And the uh, thing that I shared with you, I'm sorry, I had to. (laughs) The thing that I shared with him was that, like, and you know this, Judd, and it's the same in spring training as it's been in Mankato for training camps in years past and now in Egan. You just get in this bubble when you're down here. Truth be told, the Astros story like around the grounds here today was not the, the dominating thing. It was Kenta Maeda Day uh, in all caps. I I saw it because I was running around Twitter like I often do, and, and then I said I chatted with Phil about it, but it's not. It wasn't something that ruled the day here in Fort Myers at Twin Spring Training. At least that was my perception from talking to a bunch of people around the team. Uh, this is I have not heard this soundbite yet, but I love the way it's labeled in our system here by Jonathan and or Declan. This is Derek Falvey on MLB Network earlier today talking about how the Twins can go about getting better legally. I think it's, it starts certainly with the way we operate and the way we operate throughout our baseball operation and what we believe our culture to represent. And, and that's been my focus from the get-go. I know that's Rocco's focus. In light of more recent information and what we've all learned in, the, in this industry, we have to be more direct and, and certainly make sure that we are uh, managing what we can manage on our end. Our focus is obviously the Minnesota Twins, but I can tell you that Rocco and I in particular and Thad as well, we all feel really, uh, we feel the way we go about it is really important and we're going to pay very close attention to that. So with with that said, and with the uncomfortable Astros media sessions this morning, I know Marwin Gonzalez came out and he was the first position player to show some level of remorse, but is that just sort of it for Marwin Gonzalez now that, all right, he said what he said and now everyone gets to move forward? Or is there another wave of, of questions, especially after the Astros botched all of this this morning? No, I don't think it's the end of it. I think there are two more things that have to happen. And, and look, it's just me, outside observer, so take this for whatever it's worth. But I think Marwin needs to address his teammates. He's, he's now current teammates with guys that the Astros beat in the 2017 World Series. Yeah. That's a big deal. Kenta Maeda was on that Dodgers team. Gave up a home run to, I think it was Jose Altuve. Uh, Rich Hill was on that Dodgers team. You're telling me he doesn't care about that World Series? And hey, bygones be bygones. Let's it, let it be water under the bridge. Look, all three of those guys, if the Twins want to get to where they're going in 2020, they're going to be a big part of the team. At least that's how I see it. I don't know that everyone needs to be kumbaya and best friends and going out for drinks on road trips. Like You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but I do think you have to have a respectful working environment where everybody can at least get along to try to accomplish the same goal. Um, the other thing that I think needs to come out of this is like the Twins need to... I don't know the right way to put this, but they need to sort of expel the doubt that we have in our minds right now, naturally, as skeptical people who think right now that Major League Baseball has not earned any benefit of the doubt, they need to erase this concern that they possibly cheated last year, right? Marwin Gonzalez was with the Astros in 2000. Uh, 17, 18. They're coming for Marwin. Sounds like they guess. They're coming for Marwin. <laughs> oh, did you guys hear the siren? I'm <laughs> yeah. uh, looking out on Six Mile Cypress, and uh, somebody just flew by. Hopefully everybody's okay. Uh, the other thing that needs to happen, though, is like, 
We need to know that the Twins didn't do this in 2019. We need to know that their offensive breakout was legitimate, and it was a product of all the things that we've talked about in the past. James Rousen is a hitting genius. Rocco Baldelli, rest and recovery. Nelson Cruz come into town. Young players emerging into their mid-20s and just finally breaking through, delivering on all that promise we'd seen for years. If if all of that stuff is is truthful and well-earned, then awesome. The Twins are a great story, and they will continue to be in 2020. But I think that's sort of the final domino here, Phil, is it It just needs to be um, convincing that, no, there was, not only do we not stand for funny business now and going into the into the future, there were no shenanigans here in 2020. It was a legitimate offensive breakout on a club that won 101 games. I can I can see why the Twins have have maybe a little bit more to prove on their plate than some other teams around there because of the offensive season that they had last year and because they had a major player in that whole cheating scandal in Marlon Gonzalez on their roster now. But isn't that really a task for Major League Baseball now, Derek? Because the way that the fact that Rob Manford still has a job despite his handling of this whole thing that says to me that the 29 other owners have basically given a mandate and approval of the way that he's handled it and that makes me wonder how many of those teams have something to hide too and that's why they approve of the yeah. way this whole thing was handled yeah it's a scary and unsettling thought rami but you're you're not wrong to think it i, I don't think you're alone in thinking it either um it, rob manford looks bad today despite having no real part in this, maybe because of having no real part in this. Um, Jim Crane looks bad today, of course, the owner of the Astros. Uh, boy, I do wonder sort of what's next. And, and as I talked with Phil on the Twin Show, Rob Manfred's legacy over the next 12 to 24 months, 100% is on the line. Not only is this cheating scandal on his hands, but he also has to deal with this labor strife that's definitely coming down the pike. And there's the professional baseball agreement between the major leagues and the affiliated minor league teams that uh, they're they're threatening to, for lack of a better term, blow up right now. Those three things are major, major stories in the sport. And he wants us talking about possible playoff realignment. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk. Judd with Rami. Thank you, Derek. Good stuff today. Thanks, guys. You can find Derek Wetmore's How work. How red are you? Dude, not yet. Somebody just put it on Twitter. I put a Twins Minute up there. Go check for no, yourself. I saw, it. I, saw I, it. I couldn't tell. You were kind of in the shadows. I can't tell. You look fantastic, I Derek. I can't tell the <laughs> I think you look great. That you Thank are. you, John. I <laughs> yeah. think I'm reading from a statement here. You look fantastic. <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. You're not, I can tell you're not as white as the T-shirt you're wearing. So you, you have, you, you've gained some colors. It's All I have there. to say to that is just wait. It's early here in Fort Myers. <laughs> Only takes one afternoon, guys. That is Derek Wetmore, brought to you by SPF 7500. (laughs) You can find Derek's work on ScoreNorth.com and the ScoreNorth Twin Show, Apple, Spotify, and the ScoreNorth app.